0: This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuacy and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
1: Today, we talk with Rosie Happy, the founder of the Social Changemakers and the Happy Event. She shares her journey as an atypical Vietnamese who promotes gender equality, goes against outdated norms, and always finds ways to follow what she wants, even if it's challenging. Her confidence and enthusiasm towards social change are contagious. We hope this episode will inspire you to make the change you want in your life by any means. Welcome back to Creators in Vietnam. So today you have me, Moni, and hosting, and I'm here with Tracy, my co-host. And we have a lovely guest today, Rosie Happy from social change makers and the happy event. So yes. back I'm Rosie. Thank you, Moni and Tosi, for having me on the creator
2: in Saigon. I noticed a change to creator in Vietnam, Vietnam now. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks yeah. for having me.
1: <laughs> yeah creators in Vietnam now. Yes. And we are very excited to have you here on the podcast because I personally saw seeing your events all over Facebook, and finally, I see the person behind the initiative. So before we learn more about what Changemakers is about, I want to first learn about your upbringing in Vietnam, how was your childhood? Yes, tell us. Are oh, that's going to be a long story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to wrap it up. Um, yeah. So I was
2: born in Hanoi, which people can't tell anymore from my accent because now I do the southern accent. That's the cool thing that I can do, you know, the northern accent and the southern accent. So you can blend in. You can...
1: Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, you feel
2: like you're a local. Because when I was smaller, my parents got departed and my mom took me over to Saigon when I was really small and I got Mm. picked on because of my accent. And Because we're talking about the accent, Mm -hmm. people can tell that you look different. Even, you know, like Vietnamese to Vietnamese, Mm -hmm. you can still tell that they're from the North, and you have a little brighter skin tone, you can tell, you're from Hanoi. And back then, you know, because of the war time, it was still recent, so it's between the North and the South. So people in the South didn't like people in the North, and people in the North also didn't like people in the South.
1: So, oh, so that time, yeah, it was this distinction was even stronger than, than now.
2: Oh yes, yes, 100 percent Now I think we see it less, but back then, uh hundred percent. Um you will you will see it more
1: now, obviously, in different countries, but not so much anymore in Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean I noticed that like here in Vietnam, they they make a clear distinction based on which region you are from, and they made it very noticeable like oh you are from here. Oh you I hear that you are from that region based on your accent.
2: Yeah, but I think now mm-hmm. it's more kind of like just a statement, but not so much as like um
1: discrimination.
2: Yeah, yeah. not mm-hmm. not as discrimination like before. Before it's more like oh you're from a different region because your government back then follow a different regime mm-hmm. and you know it's more the historical yeah, yeah. reason. Now it's just more like oh okay you're from Yachang because of your accent mm-hmm. or you're from the Nango. Yeah. But it's very neutral now. That's at it's least it's my feeling. I think so too. Yeah, and yeah. you're
0: right. I think outside of Vietnam or like in the Viqueo uh, community, you
2: feel it more. There
0: huh? is obviously because our parents are fed with that yeah. that anger still. Like you know, it's very hard to. I know a lot of Viqueo uh, because you're a different type of also overseas Vietnamese, and, yeah.
2: <laughs> and and so
0: we have very different experiences. But like we, I, I grew up with a generation of of our parents' generation that carries this resentment not a not a hatred but a heavy resentment and a out of regrets so they
2: had to leave Vietnam yeah. back then and right? then and,
0: and, and, they, and then we grow up with those words and so it's very hard for us the first time we meet northern or things like this to not project that that resentment onto them and then what I see now too is um I used to do um leadership camp um, youth leadership camp in in, yeah. uh, in texas mm-hmm. um, and then we had a lot of vietnamese international students okay. that would come and the tension between my generation of vq and uh, we're oh, the really? same age mm-hmm. and or even younger there was so much discrimination towards the vietnamese international students and we had so much mediation to do where it's like hey guys at the end of the day we're part of this yeah. camp because we're from the same culture it's hard to understand but like oh,
2: that's it huh? it's not, yeah. yeah it's
0: not based on on our you know past history but it's based on what we are as Vietnamese today you know and it's like it was it was very interesting to see how it's growing now
2: I th- yeah. that's one thing that I haven't experienced like with the same age and same generation obviously more for yeah. me is when I was in Germany in Europe then I used my not accent but then when I was in Australia, then I used my southern <laughs> accent because so I play to my, you know, you play to your strength. <laughs> you you understand, you, you sense it immediately when you walk into the shop and you yeah. say something and you sense the, the, the tension and you're yeah. like, mm. okay, I think I use the wrong accent. Let's switch. Yeah. So I can right. tell that, okay, people still overseas, yeah. so they can still think of oh, Vietnam wow. as north and south. Even, yeah. even
0: your, your situation, I've, only recently came into contact with people, or oh, no? It's since 2014. I didn't know there was this whole deal because I don't know if you know Moni's like, history. But <laughs> yeah,
1: like uh, my parents uh, went to Hungary, but they are not refugees. Okay, okay. they are like mm-hmm. our families from the north or from the south. From the north, so like Hanoi yeah. and Hanoi. Oh, okay,
0: and, <laughs> and I've, I've only m- met this recently. I have a very good friend. She's a Romanian Vietnamese. Maybe. I didn't know there was northern. People that would travel into Europe, and then and now that I have meet you, and like, okay, there was agreements actually between Vietnam and other countries. Hanoi and
2: the yeah, yeah. another country like yeah. Germany back then, the DDR.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and so I, I've only recently known that. I, I remember when I presented this friend, she was Romanian Vietnamese, uh, to my friends Vickyus there was so much tension suddenly. There really? was so much, like, you know, oh, were uh-huh. you a different type of Vietnamese? Again, we're talking to discrimination and things like this. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes the VKos now are very... We're very sensitive. <laughs> we get triggered very easily.
2: <laughs> and in among all of that, I'm the one who always think that we should change that. Yeah. Like, no yeah. matter what we are Vietnamese, sure. no matter what. For if sure. It's, if it's just VQ or Vietnamese born, for me, it's like, come on, hey. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. We will have something in common. We have a, a bond, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, we should just be friends and yeah. be so united and... Amen to that,
0: this table is a proof of this. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah,
1: I'm curious because I never experienced this tension between different type of Vietnamese and you obviously came from the north and then started to have a life in Saigon. Mm. How did that influence you? Your mom is a single mom and then you had to adapt to life in Saigon as a northerner. How was it for you? Uh, What were your biggest challenges and how did they shape you as a person? So back then
2: because of all that being picked on because of the accent and because I look slightly different I feel like I got bullied a little bit during you know school time and my mom being a single mom and without father figures I learned to be strong I learned to be independent and just, just do whatever comes to you but still stay with a positive mindset that's one thing that I'm very proud of because when when you go to a hardship, you can choose there two way. One option is you go to yeah. become very bitter or rebellious. Yeah. The other way is you choose to look at it what it is, do with it, but then still stay positive and be nice to people. Understand why they are being like that to you, because there's a yeah. history behind why that kid's picking on me or why, you know, my mom is not home with me the whole time. Yeah. Not that she wants to, you know, but because that's just the circumstances that how it is. So I think that's how it, it shaped me to become very strong-minded, uh, but still um,
1: kind and positive, I, yeah, I, I yeah. think. Sends a uh, lot of empathy here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. And who yeah. helped you process that? Who helped you to always look at like, hey, Rosie, look at the bright side. <laughs> who helped you to develop that kind of mindset? i
2: I thought about that questions, and I try to think of who I develop a supporting network of friends. So I stay very close with friends. Mm-hmm. even though they was also kids, they didn't know that this is what Rosie was going through. this is what she going through at home. Mm-hmm. She always hang out with us and and I spend a lot of time having lunch and dinner in my friend's family because mm-hmm. at home there's no one. You know, and I all want to be, feel like I'm part of a family, a big happy family with grandparents, parents, and sister and brothers. I always envy their lives. So I'm there most of the time, so they don't know that they are actually helping me by letting me be part of their daily life, just a normal lunch or you know, some even sometimes some argument about why are you mm-hmm. having such a bad grade at school, and I'm I'm not even the person in discussion there, but I'm just being there, experience that I'm being part of this family. Yeah. That's just yeah. a feeling. I gave myself the feeling that it's okay um, to to lean on to your friends, lean yeah. on to people who who close to you. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, yes. right. Even though they're not aware that, that you're <laughs> actually leaning on them, you know? My, my grandma was there too. That I think that was after my grandma passed away. Before that, I always go to her. Yeah. Grandma was my yeah. uh, support uh, person. Yeah. Yeah. Your rock, at yes, that time. yes, yes, my rock, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, and it's always good to have a support yeah. system. So, mm. are you still friends with those
2: people? Or uh, well, sadly no, because yeah. I I've been away. Yes, and also when you grow up, right, life came into the way. You move different places, different houses, and I also left Vietnam. I went overseas for over ten years. So mm. I still think of them though, because I don't think that they know that I'm. I put so much emotions into the relationship or the friendship that I have. They probably thought that, oh, you know, we, we were best friends, but we was childhood best friends. So mm-hmm. when you grow up, you're yeah. not best friend anymore. But I still remember vividly how they look like. Or the letter that we exchanged all the time when we spent, you know, girls to yeah. girls so or in the group. Yeah. I remember all of that. And sometimes I try to find them. Like I asked my mom, did you remember this best friend of mine? And mm. uh, I couldn't find them. I think it's...
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess they didn't realize how important they were to me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, Well, I hope you're going to find them one day. And it's really important to tell these people, like, you were my support system Mm -hmm. at that time. And Mm -hmm. since you talk about moving abroad, what was the point when you decide, like, okay, I want to leave Vietnam for a while? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So
2: when I think before university... That's when I realized, and also my friends and my mom also realized that you don't belong to this country or this um, <laughs> era. She said you always think different from the people here. You don't listen to the authority or the police. I'm a, b- a little bit rebellious, but in a good way. Like I told my mom, no, don't, don't fake any documents. You know, like, it's just normal (laughs) to forge a paper. Sometimes it's harmless. Sometimes it's a simple thing as in if you want to, let's say if you want to get a visa somewhere, you just need Mm. a paper to say that you work somewhere and someone who you know in the company can just sign a paper for you. It doesn't harm anyone. But I would say no to that. Really? Yeah. So I felt I didn't get the Canadian visa because of that. Like, my mom could easily (laughs) give me a paper saying that something, something working for this company so they could see that, Okay, so she would go to Canada for uh, a holiday and come back, which was my plan. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think that I need to forge a paper or to, to fake anything to do that because that was really my intention. Like I didn't I want see. to go and live there at that moment. So that, that, that's just who I am. So when the police stopped me, for example, on the street, I would ask them first, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And show me the proof and give me the ticket. But I will not give you the money. I, love I see, that. yes. Mm. <laughs> so that's a, 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 little, a little bit rebellious. And my mom said, you don't listen to the men. You know, that's mm-hmm. in the culture. It's a thing. Women belong to the kitchen and you listen to the men.
1: You yeah. know, yeah. and I'm
2: like, no. The men can listen to the women too. Uh, yeah. I feel like I absorb in all of the inequality and, and all the unfairness to the women in, in Vietnam. Because I witnessed how my father treated my mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: or oh, I witnessed my uncle, how they mm-hmm. he treated my auntie, my grandma, went everywhere around the family or even my friend's family. I witnessed that and I, I just took it in me. And I think it came out from me as in like, no, I'm not going to listen to the men because all the women around me listen to the men and suffer mm-hmm. and sacrifice. So it made me strong, yeah. but I think it's also
1: uh, a bit too strong sometimes, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. I learned that there is no such thing as too strong. I Society tells <laughs> us that it's, in court, too strong. But I admire your courage, especially in Vietnam, to really stand up for yourself as a woman. Because I'm also that kind of rebellious as you. And I also, like, challenge authority. I cannot mm. function well under authority. If someone tells me I have to do something like that, I always find a way, like, Okay, uh, why? <laughs> and yeah. find another way. Yeah, and I really admire what you are doing. That's really standing up.
2: <laughs> thank you. I think no. I think that was the reason why
1: everybody, including
2: myself, think that I should leave somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because it's okay. It's a good thing. It's on one hand, but then in the other hand, you're just gonna struggle and just fighting the system. Your whole life, yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe you should go somewhere and live somewhere that suits your personality. And I want to live somewhere where I could read the law black and white in the website, or you know, like everybody telling me the true and not you know? like under table money or <laughs> or you need to have a relationship with them mm. before they would sign a contract with mm-hmm. you. So that's why I said okay, I, I should just go somewhere. So I decided I want to study. I did a master. Because I think Vietnam needs more business people. Yeah. Vietnam needs more changes, yes, but we need, we're need still developing. So we need money. We need business. Where the money comes from, we need business. So I decided, okay, I need to do like an MBA, like a master in business. So then I come back, you know, do business, create more money, generate more uh, business for Vietnam. That's what I thought. So <laughs> I decided to go to Europe for that master in business. So
0: what did you do your master?
2: Okay, this is also awesome. <laughs> an interesting part. <laughs> exactly. So, at that, at that, that, I think at that time, it was not so popular that you can do a master in different countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, you choose one country and you went there. But I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to spend time, dig wow. into the internet and look for something that it never existed before. I found a, a master degree, a double degree that you can do in one or two or three or four countries. And of course, I go for four. <laughs> I went for life. I want to spend one semester in one country, in one city. So then I can live and get to experience yeah. how this life in a different country.
0: This is so interesting. So you were in Vietnam at yeah. that point. Yeah. And w- was anyone giving you guidance or mentorship or you did all of this independently by yourself looking up those universities and all those things?
2: So my, my mom try to guide me. So, you know, Vietnamese parents or Asian parents always have an idea of how your kids should grow up and should be, right? Doctor engineer, you know, like yeah. banking anything that gives you money. And she think, oh you should go to maybe you should go to France because, you know, there's a connection with we used to be a French colony, so maybe good for Vietnamese person to be in France. Or you should go to Germany. Because, you know, we come from the north in Hanoi, and so we know some people that are living in <laughs> Germany right now. <laughs> There's some connection there. And I'm like, okay, I like, I like the option, but why not everything? Why not all of that? Plus, I also like to see Spain. Uh-huh. I'm also curious about England because they have a system of the queen and the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> I was just intrigued. So uh-huh. I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I did that. Uh, I decided for myself that I wanted to do wow. it. And it was was a good thing that I found that
1: program you you know i'm inspired by your story because i know many vietnamese women growing up listening to their fathers mothers society Mm. and they always have to um, comply it's not like they have to but somehow we are taught to comply yeah and hearing you i see that you decided for yourself that you're not going to comply in any way and you're going to go for what you want, and period. Yes, you know, that's what
2: (laughs) a rebel would do, right? (laughs) A rebel would would always do what he or she wants. And I think that Vietnamese or or younger um, adults would listen to their parents not because they have to, but I think they tell themselves that they have to or they should because of the culture, because it's a, a matter of respect, right? Or you expect the elderly, the people who already go before you, they know more, Mm -hmm. they're more experienced. Of course, they know more about life than you. But I I thought about it many times as well. I think I picked up a lot of things from movies because I was on my own. I was hanging out with my grandma but grandma couldn't give me the life lesson that I wanted because the, the gap is too far yeah. she was just like a supporting person to be there emotionally but mm-hmm. for me to learn I think I learned a lot of things through movies and songs I always love languages I always curious about what's going on in other countries why people speak different languages and what mm-hmm. do they think then
0: it's it's interesting where I, I'm going to ask you a follow up question if I may because you, you've been saying the word rebellious a few times but then <laughs>
2: I also, Maybe I should I should yeah. refrain from saying
0: it now. <laughs> I also sense that you care a lot about injustice. Yeah, and and I'm trying to to balance those two because for me rebellious has a strong connotation of doing something illegal.
2: Ah, oh, okay. Where for That's you, not what I mean. Yeah, for you, <laughs> I think you're you're
0: rebelling against like you know. Patriarchy, male toxicity, and uh, and all that authority, but it is not based on the law. So I'm just thinking out loud right here, but it's very interesting how I can sense that rebellion that you still have, but it's not against justice. It's against patriarchy, I think, very much so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for saying that. Yeah, I didn't mean (laughs) (laughs) rebellion like anything illegal. I actually wanted everything to be legal. Yeah. It's in like in in Vietnam, it should be right. Yeah. Justice and right and fairness. That's yeah. what I care. And that's why I'm very much into woman empowerment because of that. Because mm-hmm. I could see, you know, women here suffer so much yeah. because of the pouches and yeah, yeah. the hierarchy here. Yeah. Here, here. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe a bit more just, just. Untypical and traditional Vietnamese. Is that the right word instead I of rebellious?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think rebellious is a good word.
1: <laughs> I actually like the Positively, in a, a positive way. It's, it's a positive
0: way. way. In the way you're using it. I'm thinking out loud like to reframe it. Like, I'm not against it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, it's, it's very good.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, actually, I also used the word rebellious on myself when I was growing yeah. up. Yes, mm-hmm. because I felt like I always wanted something else than other people. I wanted something else than my parents. But of course I had this inner uh, voice like I should comply, I should comply, I should follow them. And that's why I labeled myself rebellious because it was so different mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. what other people want. Interesting. It could be
2: seen as, I don't know, a, a tendency to, you know, we're not afraid or you and me, I guess we have the same thing as we're not afraid to be different mm-hmm. or to yeah. voice our opinions or to not to comply if we don't think that's the right thing to do. Because I don't mean like I'm not going to comply to whatever my parents say, no matter what. I say it to my mom actually verbally. I say, okay, now I'm a bit older, so allow me to say this. You're not always right just because you're my mom. (laughs) And she was so shocked. (laughs) A lot of time I say things like that. I say, mom, it's okay. You're my mom, I respect you, but it doesn't mean that you're always right. You're (laughs) right sometimes, (laughs) but sometimes I'm right too. So that's when I need you to listen to me too. Yeah. She was like, okay, you need to live somewhere else. You don't belong here in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tried that with my mom, it, it, it didn't go well. Oh, it takes time, take time to educate your parents. Like, yeah. that's what I was kidding with my friends. I say, oh, you need to educate your parents for them to learn about you, mm-hmm. what you want, what you think, and what is the best way
1: to mm-hmm. cope together. <laughs> yeah, I wonder actually that what would be your advice for the Vietnamese here? How to gather the courage to talk to their parents honestly and openly about what they want, or what do you think would be yes the best advice for them?
2: Um, see them as your friends. I think that's one thing that we don't have in the Vietnamese cultures. And I learned that from language. I learned it from, from speaking English. That when you speak English, everybody's equal. It's you and I. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, like meh, or uncle, or mm, gee, yeah. or yeah. and then you yeah, I- yeah. immediately you will be in somewhere in the system, you know your place. Yeah. And knowing your place meaning that you should not disrespect people who are older than you or supervisory yeah. to you, you know, higher, superior to you. So when you speak English, then you learn that your parents could be your friends. It's the same with your oh, grandparents yeah. or your yeah. teacher or your boss.
0: Actually, I'm having such a hard time in Vietnam. What you, I, I, I relate a lot because now that I'm in Vietnam, my my Vietnamese is not very good. Okay. But I, it's even worse because every time I start talking to someone, I do not know how to refer to them, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm already categorizing, and I mm-hmm. I'm always scared that I'm going to be informal or unpolite okay. or and oh. anything. And it really bothers me and then I'm like I'm just going to speak English with people
2: <laughs> yeah English yeah. Should be easy <laughs> easier, easier to, to, it's just you <laughs> yeah you skip the whole system yeah. of who is higher than you or bigger than you or more important than you yeah so yeah. I think to, to think that that's the first thing for the young adults or for the kids to think that your yeah, parents can true. be your friends and show it to them so then the parent can also then be their <laughs> friends because <laughs> I don't know if the parents actually think that way too it's
1: really it's hard I try to be friends with my parents. <laughs> but actually what you are saying is that by learning English, we're kind of employing that mindset of equality. Yeah. So the encouragement for others is also about, you know, go outside, be curious, learn a language like English, where it shows equality. Yeah. And also by learning English, you kind of explore the world where you see a different type of life like in Europe or anywhere else where the distinction between gender or age it's less. is less, it's less yes yeah. so we're actually touching upon the topic of equality mm. and I'm really curious to see from your perspective how do you see the the topic of equality changing in Vietnam over the years it's getting better That's one
2: here I can say, I guess with the influence from a lot of VQ coming and also a lot of expats and um, also with internet and movies, right? Back then it was Mm. different. You you just know what you know. Even internet or media was censored and it's less now. So we have access to see what is going on in other places in the world and you learn that, okay, women should be treated the same way or at least try to put them in the same place equally. I think Vietnam is making efforts in in changing that. I could see improvement. I see some changes. This doesn't mean that it's uh, perfect now. It's not nowhere close Yeah, Nowhere close to to perfect. But you can see there's a lot of webinars, seminars, and and workshop. People talking about women empowerment, Mm -hmm. and also in my workplace previously, they also having some workshop about Mm -hmm. equality and how to put people treat people evenly and equally. Not by their genders or by their sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of efforts we can see.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah it's actually good to see.
0: It is. That, um, yeah. It's a very interesting topic for me. I grew up with a, in a very male toxic environment. Obviously, France is, is is champion for that too. And when I came to Vietnam, it's very interesting to see the the development of all of this because the the system in itself is so patriarchal. It's so based on what men's wants, and even the even like you know like it's so easy for men to cheat or to like do something stupid in Vietnam. And and it's like you know karaoke, is massage place, and all those things and mm even like during uh, the the lockdown a uh, a girl got arrested because she was trying to no no like female hygiene pads how do you call this like the, the okay yeah, okay yeah we know we're <laughs> not a, we're not a necessity <laughs> the, it, oh a because she went, out to, she the, went the, out to buy the it, the, the or yeah, whatever and, and, yeah and uh, this was not a necessity and or something like this and you can see that the person behind the law is still very much a male. <laughs> oh, it's an old man
2: club. It's, it's yeah, 100 percent an old man club. Look at the parliament, How many women yeah. you can see looking at the government system? How many yeah. women you actually could see? Yeah. But when you look at business, for example,
0: business, yeah,
2: you see a lot of CEO and women yeah. doing a lot of of great things. But when it comes to politics, it's you. Yeah, it's the politics the old is old very. Yeah. The,
0: the politics in that side of the system is very stuck in stone in that. But it's true what you just said. When the Women in business here in Vietnam is, is very, I've met so many like incredible, independent, you know, well thought women. And I shouldn't put those qualifiers in front of it (laughs) because it should be just normal, you know? And I, I I can feel like there is, it's coming to the point where like women are not doing this as a reaction to what was but that's just you know Vietnamese women are just high class now and it's really good they
2: just they <laughs> good you yeah, know they're and just it's, talented they're, they're so dependent they yeah, so yeah. well ambitious as well exactly
0: yeah, yeah so I'm driven I'm, I'm, I'm all for this
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so happy to hear a male perspective it, it, it's
0: super important that when you said that the Vickio and, and the expats are a good influence I would say to take it with a grain of salt <laughs> but I think also yeah. it's because a lot of VKOs and expats came here to heal. They don't come to change Vietnam. They come to change themselves. And I feel like a lot of the ones that stays for the long run are the one that has understood their past, heal, and then they can actually bring the positive side of what we've learned or mm. what how we grew up Yeah. but a lot of the people that stay not for the long run and though that type of IQ that just end up in you know Envy, and like all those bars and stuff like that <laughs> they don't come for anything positive or they definitely don't come for the expansion of women's
2: <laughs> yeah well, but that's the same case with the foreigners right <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, talking and expat, we don't Yeah. yeah, yeah we don't want to put like a chest with queue but also expats yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're always people who came here just to enjoy life again yeah. Get an expat's package, yeah. so I'm mm-hmm. just gonna live like a king here. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Don't care about the country, but there are also people who come and say, "Wow, it's actually amazing that I got this opportunity. Yeah. So maybe I could help, we could change." There's a lot of not CEO but executive director or yeah. chair or president of the NGO because now I'm in the non-profit sector. Nice. I really like to see that there are expats who are actually leading an NGO mm-hmm. or an NPO yeah. Yeah. to help Vietnamese people, but they are foreigner. Like for me. I had a talk with the advisory board of Social such so just like on the side note. He's in, in Germany, and he's leading the German non-profit organization to help kids in Vietnam. So when we have a chat, because every month we have the advisory board meeting, I say, because he give me all the compliments yeah. and pray, and say, Rosie, well, you're doing great. And I say, come on, stop for a second, and let me tell you, this is a picture. I'm Vietnamese. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing for my country, it's normal. Mm-hmm. It's understandable, and it, sometimes it's expected. It. But you being a German in Germany yeah. doing everything you can to send help to Vietnam—that mm-hmm. is admirable. Yeah. So don't don't compare you to me. You are way bigger. <laughs> so that's why I said the expat here, who yeah. you know, Blue Dragon Michael. Like a lot of yeah, president yeah. of all of the organization, they foreigners. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing, right? That that's what I like to look at. Yeah. Same with the VQ. A lot of VQ are doing charities and trying to help and, and change yeah, the system I, here.
0: I tend to yeah. look at negative stuff too much. No, <laughs> no,
2: like, I, I tend to look at the so, yeah, positive yeah, thing. Yeah, I sorry. always try to tolerate. <laughs> Thank and, you for and bringing understand. that. In. <laughs> that's very nice. But I'm also yeah. realistic and aware yeah. that of course there are always other yeah. people on yeah. the other yeah. side just let them be and maybe they will change
0: yeah I'm still I'm still too new in Vietnam I guess (laughs) how long long have you been here I've been just here for two years and a half but the the two years were very much just focused on my face I think you're
2: talking from also personal experience because you came here for your personal you know healing
0: And, uh, and before when I would come to Vietnam I was not doing this for for women's right or that was just a dumb shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: No, um, very interesting. Sorry, Aya. yeah, no
1: problem. It's I, I enjoy the topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like before I want to actually learn how you come to the philanthropy work that you are doing right now. But okay. to that I'm interested to learn like how was your experience abroad and how that contributed to the current Rosie mm. you are today. Very good questions. I didn't think of that. Um, so,
2: back before I left Vietnam, when I was still here, I did a lot of charity. In Vietnam, people love to do charity. People love to help. But it's still in a close or limited definition of just charity. People, you know, poor people need help.
1: Yeah.
2: People who are comfortable and have money mm-hmm. can help. That's it. But when we talk about nonprofit or looking in the long term or a sustainable way, it's, it's different, right? So back then, I didn't know any of that. I just think, okay, if you want to do good, you should do charity. You save some money and then you help mm-hmm. some people. And that's it. When I went overseas, I start to kind of a little bit of an activist, but not too extreme, just more like I did all of the free hugs and, and pick up trash and mm-hmm. all yeah. those things overseas. Because yeah. i like, this is a cool thing. Why don't we have it in Vietnam? So that was like my chance to actually experience whatever I want to do. But there's no chance for me to do it here. I just experienced all of that overseas, and then I realized, okay, we a- can actually create mm-hmm. changes, you know, like influence social impact through different activity, and it doesn't necessarily have to be charity or money. So that's what I learned overseas, and I did all of that already when I came to Melbourne. I was working in, you know, business, sales and marketing like everybody else <laughs> for American hotel chains, you know, living a good life because for an overseas, for a Vietnamese, living in Melbourne, it was difficult to find a job, a permanent job. Mm-hmm. To find a permanent job, it's already like a challenge because mm-hmm. you don't have local qualifications or experience. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I learned in Australia. Like they specifically ask for that. Every single time you went to an interview, they asked, did you study here? Did yeah. you work here? If all of them are no, no chance to get the job.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: So it's different in Europe, I think, because I did my master in Europe, so it might have been easier for me if I stay in Europe mm-hmm. and look for a job there. But it just happened that I, I moved to Australia to work there, and I was determined to find a job. And I say, well, let's just show them. So, so I did get a job at the end, I worked for three years, got promoted and everything, proved myself that I'm just like the Australian people, you know. I can do things. (laughs) Not because I'm Uh Asian doesn't mean that I'm not as good. Uh But racism is everywhere. Even here in Vietnam, you see it. So as a Vietnamese or Asian going overseas, that's when you realize, whoa, you're even smaller now. Mm -hmm. In your country, you're so small. When you go overseas, you're tiny. You're so small that you have nothing to actually show. Even though I was like on top, not top, but I was executive manager here in the company running four or five different offices, 70 employees. Obviously, sorry, no qualification, (laughs) no experience, no job for you. So I start from scratch and I prove that I'm good. After three years, that was enough. And I say, okay, now I want, I prove my point that I could live in Australia, I could work, I could be the boss, so to say, (laughs) like manage the Australian people and all the international people. Enough to make myself proud and my mom proud. <laughs> <laughs> then I think, what do I want to do? What is something that I really want oh, to yeah. do in Australia? And I, I see that I really enjoy organizing events, bringing people together. It's kind of part of the job because as a marketing manager, you also sometimes use events as a way to connect with customer mm-hmm. at the hotel as well. So we run events sometimes. And I see that I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So I decided hmm, I want to start organizing events and doing something Meaningful as well, slowly. So then I, I founded my own event business in Australia, the Happy Events. And we did Dance for Kindness mob in Melbourne. For the first time ever, they didn't know what it was. I oh, actually nice. joined Dance for Kindness in Berlin when I did my um, master back then as a participant But in Melbourne. I organized it. And then we raised funds to help uh, women and children in the Pacific Island. So that was kind of That's like amazing. the first step of slowly getting into the events and the, the, the social impacts area.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... it's
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all I have to say.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think
1: your story also resonates with many people when yeah. we, you know, prove for ourselves, our ego, and then others that we can do whatever we want to do. We can achieve this title, this much money, this position. And then the question comes, okay, what do I want? What (laughs) is your calling? Yes.
2: It's not easy to, to prove, I guess. Not everybody needs to prove themselves. That's also something that I want to say as well. I'm just always that in me to always want to feel like I represent this country for some reason. I just always take it in me. I represent this country, Vietnam, and I represent Vietnamese women. So I always feel like in my shoulder I have that mission. I have mm. the ambition to represent the Vietnamese woman or women in general. You know, like sometimes the, when there is a discussion between men and women, I represent the woman. <laughs> so I stand for the woman when I talk to it about country. Then I represent Vietnam. Somehow I have that in me. Um, it's strange. I don't know where that comes from. Actually, it just naturally it just builds or develops in me, become my personality. So I feel like. I want people to meet me and remember that's Vietnam. That's a Vietnamese person. Because okay. a lot of places where I go, people never meet a Vietnamese person before ever. And
1: mm-hmm. they say,
2: hey, you're the v- first Vietnamese person that I know that dance so well, better than any <laughs> Latin people that I know. Or you're the first Vietnamese person that I know that speak German. German is so weird.
1: But like those, things, those
2: for me are achievements. The little thing that they say, yeah. yes. Not intentionally make it happen to receive that. But when people say that, then I know that's, you know, part of my mission is like, make my country proud. People will know of Vietnam, of Vietnamese women, and they impress positively. Respect.
1: Oh, I love your pride. <laughs> you I have, I have um, that pride. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: You're very confident too. No, no saying, yeah. you're very like. I'm always trying to relate to to, to my own experience, and yeah. I'm, I'm so amazed every time I cannot relate at all because I was plagued with insecurities most of my life, and I, I feel your confidence,
2: and I'm like, wow. But it's <laughs> like, not not a bad thing, though, right? It's not I a think, bad thing. Yeah. No, no, it's not <laughs> a bad think thing we at need. all. And I try to transfer <laughs> that too. Yeah. I used to teach at the uni. Uh, I didn't put it in the, the form, so mm-hmm. that's something that you don't know. I used to teach German at the university here in Saigon yeah. for four years. Wow. At the same time, while I'm working for the travel agency or company, so I was running like from 6 a.m. to mm-hmm. I- evening, I- also teaching German at Goethe Institute, <sharp inhale> near the place where everybody would really go to learn German. Mm-hmm. And I always try to transfer... The confident or my, my thinking, because I think it's a good thing. Of course, you always think you, you the good person, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you never think that you're a bad person. Yeah, yeah. So I always think the student, the young people of Vietnamese need to feel like I feel, need yeah. to feel like you don't need to, to be rebellious in a way that you do yeah, 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 yeah. illegal thing or, I don't know, graffiti, scratch, uh, vandalism. Is it the mm-hmm. word? But more in terms of having pride. You can't choose where you're born to or your parents, but then pick the good thing, see the good side of it, be proud of it and make the best out of it. And I try to teach the students learning it for you, because I was so young. When I graduated, the head of the department asked me, do you want to study? Because I want that of you transferred to the kids, and I say no at first. I say I'm in for the money. I was young. <laughs> I, was too, I was too young. I'm in for the money, so teaching in Vietnam, you don't earn a lot of money. Yeah. I'm aimed for like, I don't know, CEO, you know, you're young so you're like CEO of a big company, whatever. Mm. Give me six figures, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then I changed my mind and I decided yes, because this also part of, I didn't know at that point, that it kind of like my mission to also create change. So when I started to become the lecturer, at the university, what I teach them is, hey, you're learning for you. I'm not gonna tell you that you have to do your homework because your future is yours. I'm here mm. as your friends, as your sister, because I'm older than you, but I'm not as old as the, you know, the typical mm-hmm. teacher or lecturer at the uni. So let's learn together. You can teach me things, but I think most of the thing you learn from me first. Yeah. So I want them to be my friends and learn that let's be confident yeah. and don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. It's
1: okay. What what worse could happen? Uh, mm-hmm. Just to say what you think. Yeah. I love your energy, and I think this is what Vietnam needs. Yeah, I think so too. Yes, I so. because <laughs> I know that in Vietnam, the idea of authority—we talk about this—is so strong, mm-hmm. and also kids growing up, they they feel limited in their mindset. Yeah, um, and I love hearing you that you rather see the possibilities, the positive side, and that's what actually helps you to grow. Mm. And go beyond your own limits, or if there is any limit,
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's no limit. There no limit. We can
1: achieve whatever we want. <laughs> the
2: the sky is, is the limit. Is that the saying that
1: that's we the use? Yeah. The sky is the limit.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I
1: also I mean. like your pride in Vietnam because, you know, I'm, I'm an overseas Vietnamese, mm. and overseas Vietnamese often think of Vietnam like, oh, it's a place we visit our family and that's it. Mm. And then sometimes we even not mentioning of vietnam so proudly yeah um because we feel so distant yeah from vietnam and and hearing from you your pride in it and myself now living in vietnam i also want our generation anyone to be proud to be proud of vietnam so that brings me to the next question <laughs>
0: <laughs> good segue yeah
1: <laughs> introduction here to the next one <laughs> What uh, what encouraged you to come back in Vietnam after being abroad for so long? Okay, so you might not like the answer,
2: but <laughs> but it, it's a true story. I, I'm just you know tell the truth. So I came back last year for holiday, and COVID she got happened. Stuck. <laughs> <laughs> she got stuck. But but the good thing came out of it. I believe that everything happened for a reason. Yeah. Yes, I always think that. Things meant to be. What meant to be, it will happen. Yeah, yeah. So I was meant to come back for holiday for two months on my way to Canada. Oh, yeah? I wanted yeah. to go to Canada. I want to experience America as a continent. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to Oceania and Asia and Europe. Now it's America. First Vancouver and then New York. And then, I don't know, some America's got a dance. So I need to go and see Cuba and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Argentina, Argentina yeah, and Argentina yeah. and all of that. So that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. But then, well, COVID happens and... Uh, I I just come into, you know, peaceful term with it and say, hey, you're not going anywhere. With this, you don't want to be anywhere else except your home country. And I feel extremely lucky that I was in Vietnam at that point. Mm -hmm. Because also last year, you know, the successful story of Vietnam, zero bet and all of that. (laughs) So proud. like sharing every day on social media. Hey, look at what Vietnam (laughs) do and all the picture. So proud. Okay, it changed now, but still, I think with the pandemic has it ever happened before no step out of it Had it ever happened before it's a global pandemic this scale <laughs> never, ever. never. No. this is the first like just me with my limited knowledge this is the first time ever that it got this big yeah, no, it's none first. none of the countries stay out of this like this include everyone everybody suffer, yeah. right yeah everybody get affected no matter where you are what language you speak how rich you are how poor you are and i think this is the time people stop and reflect mm-hmm. exactly yeah like what's the point of having all of that fancy cars and all of the branded bags and clothes if you can't even go out if you stay there with the machine the what do you call it if you have covid you know you have to breathe uh, yeah, through the, a machine the breather, yeah mm-hmm.
0: the, the, the breathing. oxy machine <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah the oxygen tank <laughs> yeah. and all of
2: that what's the point right and then mm-hmm. now we think oh we can just go to another country Well that changed now yeah even Italy and then Brazil and, and Europe, all the countries just suffer so much. Just be grateful for wherever you are at that moment mm-hmm. and family, family yeah. and people who close to you and your health. Your health is the most important thing. Yeah. And then come next. What would give you actually meaning? Yeah. Apart from thinking about money, because right now money <laughs> means nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, like it was a huge reminder for everybody. And you probably also just like went through life without the pandemic, going to Canada, enjoying life. Yeah. And <laughs> this pandemic helped you to slap it in the face.
0: <laughs> how do you how did you manage it? Because you, you seem like you you move a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard for you to stay still. But yeah, like so yeah. how did you handle the, the whole COVID?
2: Um well I, I think I do have ability to adapt. I always realized in a timely manner like I realized, okay you're not going to Canada right now and I don't think COVID would go away in (laughs) one year or two, like last year that's what I thought. So after the first four or five months of traveling around, enjoying holiday still with COVID, right? Because it's already started but it was so easy, traveling was so cheap, it's just like nobody there so Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) paradise but then I think, okay I'm not going anywhere so I better move on and start a life here mm-hmm. even though that was not the plan so I had to change my plan completely I'm not going to Canada anymore didn't plan to live here no I'm living here now okay. so that when the mice's had to change and say okay if I leave here now what's going to happen the happy event not operating in Melbourne anymore let's start organizing event here in Vietnam and uh, after, I think, half of a year running events, I also decided, events is one thing, but with COVID and with pandemic, what kind of events that actually would make sense and would, would help? i reflecting on, I always like to do charity, but I have expertise in events. Why don't I combine them? And right now with COVID, maybe there's a lot of things that I can do to help. And it's my home country. I'm here for a reason. <laughs> there is a natural forces that bring me back to vietnam exactly at the time when the global pandemic just break down so you are here for a reason girl
1: so <laughs> the universe
2: is telling you a sign <laughs> exactly like a massive sign so that's when i told my mom i said mom don't worry about me and the future and the money i have my saving but i want to focus on whatever i can do to help vietnam right now this year that's what last year mm-hmm. so i i i start organizing another dance for kindness but this time in saigon raise fund for uh, flood victims in, in central Vietnam. Yeah. And then I joined Women Empowerment Club. It's an initiative by the U.S. Consulate. We, within that two, three months of that project, we can choose a community partner to support. And I choose Breast Cancer Network Vietnam, women and, you know, yeah. Vietnam. So I organized Ping Nai, which is a fundraising event to help raise fund for Breast Cancer Network Vietnam. And right after that, That's what the big two event that kind of make noise here in the city. Like when you talk about people know, like, oh yeah, I saw the picture of all the people wearing orange, or Mm -hmm. people wearing pink. That was from from the event that you organized and like, yes. Mm -hmm. So then I realized, okay, I could actually turn the event into something big and in the long run and not just one event, like just temporarily. So that when I decided I wanted to start a social change makers Mm -hmm. network. So that was right after Pink Nine. this January, just now, beginning of this year. That's when I started Social Chainmaker. And it should be a non-profit that builds a community to bring all the people that want to do good together. Company, yeah. organization, charity group, no matter what,
1: if you're in for social good, you're in. That's it. Yeah, I really like that you said that you want to make charity sexy.
2: Oh yeah, yes. I did say that.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I wonder, like, how do you see the philanthropy scene right now in mm. Vietnam, and how do you want to make it? Uh, <laughs> how, how sexy, sexy do, do I want to make it? <laughs> sexy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the reason why I say that is before. So when I launched uh, Social Change Maker Network, uh, the first event was on the on the rooftop. On a, a sky bar rooftop, which is like people after work, you know, the, the fancy people like to go to rooftop and have a happy hour cocktail drink, you can take yeah. a picture and check in. That's sexy, right? People like that. <laughs> uh, when it comes to charity of philanthropy, Vietnamese always associate it with, again, poor people, rich people help. And when you go help, you also shouldn't wear nice clothes. You should look the scene in you know, order to go help. You can still see it now. You see in the Discussions, things on social media about that celebrity or the other yeah. celebrities helping. They church them because of how they look. Cause you look so nice because your hair is so nice. Cause you <laughs> yeah. wear pretty dress. And I'm like, you need to change that. Like, <laughs> why do you think yeah. that we had to wear torn clothes to go mm. and help mm-hmm. other people? That's why I say, okay, charity is, it doesn't mean that always so boring and so poor and so sad and, and great it can be sexy and that's when i say i would organize networking events every month for people to come together have a drink like the thing that we like to do (laughs) have a happy hour drinks on the friday night but the people there are people that have more or less something to do with social good social impact maybe you're interested to uh volunteer or to maybe donate or you're working for an NGO or an NPO or you're working for a company and you would like your company to do something good, mm-hmm. but you don't know where to start. So that's where you go and network to get idea. And then slowly we're planting seeds so that it will grow one way or another. You know, you connect people and when mm-hmm. even organization and, and group, charity, community, if they come together, you can have better idea and you can create the greater impact. And by using simply it's just a networking event, that's what I thought in a rooftop bar make it sexy for people to even just going because of the bar. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people came because, wow, it's in a rooftop and it's, it's social chain maker. What is it? They're curious because they were like, charity, <laughs> philanthropy <laughs> in a rooftop? It doesn't go well together. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I say it in that day. I was like, the reason why I choose this, I know it's not common and it's very unusual. I choose it because I want to change the perception that charity of philanthropy is not sexy. It can be sexy. And it, you can see people who doing charity or people who work in non nonprofit, pretty people, sexy people too. It doesn't have to be cool and you know, like again, yeah. all yeah. of that. There is no frame, there's no shape mm-hmm. fix for anything.
0: So mm-hmm. interesting. I feel like you you were pointing fingers at me every time you said like, you look too. Look, no, I'm, I'm just I'm not, looking at all no, no, of mean, you. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is, I felt I felt like. Yeah, when you were saying like people are judging if you look too nice when you do charity, that's totally me. I'm like sometimes I, I do you
2: judge people? I, like
0: I feel like you know <laughs> I feel like you, you were talking to me. I was like, no, Fuck, I didn't, because I, I was reflecting on myself. I was like, yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I mean, maybe yeah. we
2: all do like
0: yeah, a little bit. You know, nothing. like um,
2: who say it? Carl Jung said it's yeah, difficult yeah. to think, so people judge instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we don't know things, we usually judge. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I judge people sometimes too, right? I judge people who have all of those fancy back and <laughs> mess or whatever. <laughs> I, no, I, I try didn't. not to judge them but sometimes it just crosses through your mind for like half of a second mm. like why on earth would you do that
0: yeah. you know like it's you, interesting Yeah, you're making me think thank you
2: <laughs> I'm learning new things about
0: myself but, but it's, it's, it's normal no, it's, it's human yeah. it's human
2: nature yeah, it's to, so to think and, and, and sometimes it become a judgment without we actually yeah. intentionally judge other people yeah. but it's happened
0: the 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 thing that I have to because I've wanted to to start a charity I came to Vietnam actually with a charity plan that uh, oh, yeah? with, yes and I can talk to you about it yeah definitely we <laughs> should, it, it's, we it's, should. It's like, it was like since I like, because I studied photography in Toronto so oh. I wanted to choose an orphanage to teach nice. kids photography and then basically making them artists and then oh, make great them, idea make them do a body of work and then like go to all those big companies because every companies have a charity funds to blow every year and use that to finance orphanage and, and do like education funds for for the orphans and things like this yeah but it's it, for me when i go back to charity i i never managed to start this because of my own insecurities of like oh maybe i, sh- I don't look right to do a charity maybe i'm not at the, oh, not the so right level in my life to do charity or and then i would judge other people it was like oh they look too nice to do charity like and it, it's not right and you know like self-sabotaging and then yeah. all negative talk and it's just like today i'm again inspired <laughs> yeah
2: I, I think that's maybe it come from I, firstly I guess it comes from the confidence you're confident that no matter people will judge anyway so you just mm-hmm. do your things yeah and you just be who you are yeah. like I got a lot of not a lot but sometimes my friends because they care about you so they don't want you to get hurt mm. so they say hey when you went to central Vietnam when you did that charity thing it's, it's great but I mean you look so nice I'm like what do you mean
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you can check
2: the picture on Facebook like my hair probably looks similar and uh-huh. I was wearing kind of like an, a modern Aoya kind of thing because I yeah. want to represent the culture. I yeah. want people to see that I don't wear fancy dresses but I want... Because in it, it was... We give them the red yeah. envelope. It's like, you know, Lissy. Uh-huh. So I want to kind of bring that culture... Element with me as well, and so they're like, "Yeah, but you should just wear like sneakers and jeans and t-. I'm like, "Who put the rules that yeah. you have to wear that?" Then you do charity. In the,
0: in yeah. that context, it was Vietnamese people telling you this. Yeah. Those comments are mostly Vietnamese people. Yeah, but I think yeah. you're for you when you're doing those things, you're aware that there is an international viewing audience too. Yeah, for me it's always yeah.
2: like you don't limit it. it's just that. Yeah, and also I at the same time I want to change the how the Vietnamese people yeah. thinking as yeah. well. and people say, no, you shouldn't look so nice or yeah, <laughs> yeah. and all of my events now I wear out yeah. If it's my event, mm-hmm. I always wear mm-hmm. oh yeah not because I have to or not because it's so nice It's actually not as sexy as if you wear all the sexy <laughs> dresses. <laughs> but that's different thing. like sexy doesn't mean that it's something what you wear. Sexy mean right. what you do yeah and what you represent that's what i mean so that's when i yeah. want to say charity can be sexy it's not about the clothes of
0: course it's, but it's
2: yeah. about what you do and what you represent and what you can I think it's
0: also, it's also because in i know in western world like we you know like we always say like i guess it's also a generalizing but like you know confident woman or sexy confidence yes, is sexy yes, you know yes. like it's and i think that's what that connotation that you're putting in say what you want say who you are and like you know be authentic with yourself have that confidence and that pride and that is sexy and to bring that into the charity is is very good too it's it's super sexy
2: (laughs) (laughs) nice places you know and nice people too so that people like you Mm -hmm. also don't feel like oh do I look the part or do I look the scene do yeah, i look yeah. like i can be part of the non-profit scene or the social impact or the charity yeah, scene yeah, yeah. so that there's no question like that anymore yeah. anybody can be part of it yeah mm.
1: yeah i like the way you do it because that way you attract like a broader audience as well yeah and i want to attract everyone <laughs> <laughs> and i believe that your enthusiasm is contagious so, when it's about charity, I think it's also important that the face of the charity I mean, it's mm. you represent the organization. And if they see how enthusiastic, how energetic, and how look you good, how confident you look, <laughs> how confident you look, it's also gonna encourage others, like, you know, you can be hers.
2: Yeah, no. yeah. I
0: agree. I, I think you'll you'll be a great mentor for many, many, many young female in Viet- or young people in Vietnam. Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah. I mean, you inspired me today. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like learning. <laughs>
2: yeah. We definitely should talk about the the che thing. I can I can help you with that because yeah, the more yeah. people who want to help, I don't mind helping people to then yeah. help other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. I never say no. People yeah. come to me and say, "Hey, I want to do this to help someone." Say, yeah, let's do it. Uh-huh. Mm. Very good. And how do you see the future of social change makers? I have big vision and ambition. I don't know how uh-huh. much it will happen. But do you, you want to share? <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I I vision that it will become a network, an international network. Maybe it will have a separate network for internationally. Right now, social change maker network is focused in Saigon, and hopefully, will grow in Vietnam. But I'm thinking internationally, globally, bring all the uh, you know effort and funds and resources from overseas. Maybe from the VQ and the Vietnamese community first. Mm -hmm. And then it will spread to the expat and foreigner as well. Bring everything to Vietnam to help develop the country. And uh, we will help organization to do what they are doing. I'll help people to then help them. And also help company to get involved more with, you know, the money that they have every year, the CSR yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that they have. So we already done a couple of them. So I think that's one of the direction that we might do as well. Because company have that quota that they need they to meet need, like, every to month for their CSR, <laughs> but they actually don't know what to do. So yeah. they usually have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think social maker can help with that because yeah. we have the connection with the network and we have ideas. Just give us the money. I mean, not give us, but like tell us the money yeah. that you have, and we will tell you where the money should go, and we'll help you facilitate that. So that's one of the directions. I want
0: to join. I want to join.
2: Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. <laughs> and one other thing, I was hoping because I am in events, so I always looking at all the sexy thing that mm. happening in event, all the fun thing. I want to on the event side. I also want to bring like cultural things or, or sexy thing from overseas mm. to Vietnam too, not to charity in melbourne in france i experienced the first time new blanche Blanche, yes and then in melbourne it's a white night it's the biggest night ever of the year everybody looking forward to it i want that in vietnam yeah yeah yeah. you know like those kind of things it's It's like the festival cultural music like every weekend is something you must have
0: new blanche in amsterdam
2: Yeah, no, like Like a white
1: night. Oh, yeah, like a white night where you just dress. No, no, no. no, So, so, nuit
0: blanche, nuit blanche in the meaning of the French meaning is when you do an overnight, no Mm. no sleep. No sleep and oh. so what happens what they did is that they they open up the the city so the city stays awake but in in an art form so yeah, you'll have medium, music you'll like museums kind of really are open, open. And, and it's just throughout the night yeah. I know Canada is doing it Toronto is doing it too oh ah, yeah uh, one of the big thing in France that I really missed was that they have a Fête de la Musique is like a Fête de la Musique, like a, oh, de la musique yeah, in music June in June and that was probably one of my best memories that I had in France cause something
2: like, like that yeah because
0: oh, yeah. everybody be plays music in yeah so I corner. won all of that yeah
2: In Vietnam, we're talking about event and technical term with all of the licenses and permits, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's different. But I want that to Vietnam. So then, when it comes to social change makers and social impacts of philanthropy, I'm dreaming that one day we have a social change maker award, like the Met Gala. You know, like big thing in Hollywood about Mm -hmm. celebrity that we can have. (laughs) Exactly, we can have celebrity in charity. We can have celebrity yeah. in social impact. We praise right. the people who do good. Instead of we praying the people who have so much money or they look so pretty. Well wow. instead of that, why don't we pray the people who are doing so much, who are helping so many people, who create such an impact? I dream of that award, like social change maker award. Right. We have mm-hmm. a big massive event, <laughs> red carpet and people mm-hmm. come in, not because they look good, but they will look good that night, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we make them look good, you know, like those are the people that need to be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. the organization or people
1: like that that's my dream i do believe that you're gonna make I it happen think so. <laughs> let's see if we, if we
0: talk about the universe and your intention here like you're talking about it yes, you're talking yes. about it like it's already happening you're so happy and okay, you have that energy that is <laughs> I very can contagious. visualize
1: how it looked like actually yeah. like <laughs> all of that <laughs>
0: yeah. this is nice yeah, I, I, yeah very nice
1: so Great i think room. we came to the end of the podcast yeah. and the last question that we want to ask you is when it comes to the end of your life yep how do you want to be remembered oh that's an interesting <laughs> question too very good questions uh, also never thought about it
2: I never thought about end of life I feel like life is still so <laughs> far away there's still so much to do there's so many things that I want to do many places that I want to go I guess I want to be remembered as a social change maker. Because that's also the reason why I name the organization that way. Positively. Yeah. Social impact and create change. Make a difference. Really make a difference.
1: Yeah. I guess that's what I want to be remembered that way. Sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I definitely got inspired. I think Tracy right. too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm an open book.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, I love, I love so those discussions.
0: I really love. I, and this is one of the main reasons why we do this podcast is to meet people like you. And this is the best.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Thanks yeah. For, for having me and giving me the chance to actually share. Yeah. And hopefully with what you guys are doing would, you know, inspire a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. To uh, listen to more stories and do more things. whatever suit them. you know it doesn't yeah. have to be charity. It can be starting a podcast or starting yeah. a charity or I don't know starting a company <laughs> or something yeah, yeah. or be more proud of, mm-hmm. of where you come from, no matter if it's Vietnam or Canada or US yeah. or France or Hungary, you know whatever yeah. like slowly thing or see your parents as your friends and yeah. little thing. Whatever yeah. they get inspired, I think that's what you guys are doing. You're giving them inspirations. Oh. Thank you so
0: much thank you (laughs) thank you so much for listening to creators in vietnam if you like this episode become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five star rating and review in apple podcast also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media this one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time